It's banter o'clock! Welcome into another episode. Oh gosh, it's not an episode. To another edition of Banter O'Clock. I guess it is an episode because we post it other places. So yeah, I guess it is. It's live and it is an episode. But I'm Ethan Ryder alongside Michael Bosky and Nicholas Hodel. We've had kind of a little bit of a break getting into the holiday season. A lot of finals last week, so we didn't end up making any sort of show. But Bosky and Nick, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. It's been it's been nice to have no class. I was just talking to Nick just a second ago. Um, I mean, well, there's obviously still work to be done with other things that we do that are sports related. It is nice to wake up and for me personally, not to worry about doing economics, doing bio. So, I mean, getting out of that, getting that out of the way is nice. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure for all of you guys, it's nice to just be on break and have that sort of mindset going. Absolutely. You know, just being, cause like, as sports journalists, like we all know with like watching sports, it's like ho- our homework anyway. And so you just add on like that econ, bleh, bio, bleh. like it all just adds and it just creates a really stinky atmosphere. So getting rid of that for a good month, uh, it's definitely a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. I was deferred, so I, I guess don't really have that feeling in a way, but it's still break. It's getting to holidays. It's nice. I actually low have been more busy since quote-unquote break has started, but you know, it is what it is. Always on that grind. We'll start with the first thing. U.S. men's national team had another game. It was not as high profile of a roster. There are still some very talented players on it. They played El Salvador, and to say the least, uh, they were not a match at all. They won 6-0. El Salvador looks like they didn't know how to play the sport of soccer. Um, It looks like one of those games – Back in my day of high school soccer, we'd play teams that were called mercy rule teams where you'd score 10 goals and the game would end. They looked like one of those teams against the U.S. men's national team, which I guess is good in terms of the fact that they couldn't beat Trinidad and Tobago a couple years ago. So maybe this is a step up. But first thoughts on the game, guys? Yeah, I mean, I I actually only caught the second half. And by the second half, it was I think it was 5-0 when I turned it on. Um, they got a sixth from Aronson, I believe, like literally right when I turned it on. And then it was just – it was curtains for El Salvador. But, I mean, what I can say about the game was that it was nice to see some of these players, you know, these rotational players. It was more of a B-squad B, B uh, game, I would say, for the men's national team. Not many of those players will probably be on the final 11 that goes into playing World Cup qualifiers or possibly the World Cup. Um, but it was nice to see these – I mean, most of these players, are MLS players. I think all of them actually were MLS players, but it was nice to see them go out there and put in a really solid performance, even if it was against a weak side in El Salvador. Like Ethan said, that will certainly not be making any sort of uh, trouble for many teams in uh, uh Ball or wherever the U.S. plays, or CONCACAF. Yeah, it's good, it's good to see U.S., you know, taking care of business. So, I mean, and that, that's really the main thing. A squad, squad, you always like to see the, the country's national team take care of business against the teams that should be taking care of business against. And that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, it, I mean, it really shouldn't be too surprised. I mean, those are the kinds of teams we should, that the U.S. should be taking care of. And, and they did just that. So uh, I can't necessarily say I'm too shocked, really, because, uh, I mean, this is what the U.S. should be doing, even if it is your B team against, against El Salvador. 
I will say in terms of that B team idea, I I loved the the roster in terms of it was a MLS roster and you could have seen a lot of quote unquote veterans in this roster. And the big thing about the last roster that came out was it was a bunch of young players. It's like they're basically clearing out the team. They're getting completely new era of players that have a lot more talent, people believe. And I think they did it with MLS players too. I mean, I think Chris Mueller someone that's – he had his debut. He scored two. Easily could have had a hat trick. Brendan Aronson is someone that's new to the, new to the fray here at the U.S. Men's National Team. He has – I mean, he's what? I think he's 18 or 19. He's going to be at Salzburg, which is going to be – Interesting to see how he does in that. Io Akinola is someone else. I mean, there was a young team from MLS that I think is very good to see because they're not only taking players from Europe that are young, but they're looking to the younger players of MLS that are impressing as well. So I think that's a good sign that they're just going young. And I also think some of those players, Boski said they weren't going to be in a starting 11, but I still think they'll be very possibly very important to that team in terms of depth. Uh, and other things like that. I mean, I think the one person that probably, or the two players that stand out to me happen to both play for Philadelphia Union, but Aronson and Mark McKenzie, I think are both very strong, very talented players that could easily make their way into the final roster come come games that are actually competitive. For sure. Uh, just in my last point, I, I, for the only, the, I mean, I only saw about 45, 50 minutes of the game. But Brendan Aronson is going to be a real star in this team. And I believe he is the one of all the players that played today that has the best chance of possibly making it into that starting 11 or even just being a very powerful rotation player because, he's, I mean, he's young. He can do it all in the midfield. And, you know, he's shown it in MLS as well. I'll also say Sebastian Legette. He looked actually very good today. And I think it, it's something that, Fans maybe didn't like the fact that he played at striker with the more European-based squad, but he's someone that has impressed me every time he's played. I mean, I, I believe he came – it was before they really did the whole rebuild uh, after – I guess it was COVID now. But before they did that, they had a, a national team get together, and he played, and he scored a goal, and he just looked really impressive and then got injured. It was one of those tackles that the guy was clearly just frustrated – uh, at a, on a team that the U.S. was playing. So it's good to see him back, and he might get some hate for whatever reason, I, probably because he somehow made his way into a European U.S. men's national team when he plays in the MLS, which was kind of odd. But in this team, I think he was one of the better players. So it'll be interesting, I think, like you're saying, who's going to make it into that final roster out of this quote-unquote B team and who won't. And even in the other roster as well, are there players there that aren't going to make the final roster when it comes to competitive games but it's going to be interesting there's a lot of talent around the u.s men's national team and it's definitely very exciting uh nick you have anything else to say before we move on um not necessarily i just think that the u.s they did what they needed to do really and you know it may not have needed to be six nil uh but they did what they needed to do for sure. And it could have been 10-0. They really, I think they took their foot off the gas in the second half, probably for the good, because that could have been ugly, even uglier than it was. But we'll move on to the Premier League. The first game has some pretty big talking points. Aston Villa versus Newcastle was supposed to be played on Friday. There was COVID-19 throughout the Newcastle team, squad, coaches, and the likes of. So what do you guys think? This is the first game all season that's been postponed due to covid There's fans coming back on the same weekend 
that games are postponed. Do you guys have any thoughts? I mean, it's it literally could not come at a worse time because this was like the first time, at least for me, that I'd really seen like a huge step up as far as just like, wow, there's fans coming back. You know, maybe the Premier League's got this, you know, they're starting to get this under control, figuring it out. And boom, you know, first game of the weekend gets postponed due to COVID. I'm not sure how they're going to necessarily deal with this going forward as far as Newcastle and the other teams that, you know, Newcastle supposed to play and everything. But, I mean, I was just heartbroken because this was, you know, this was the first game that fans were supposed to be back in the first weekend. You know, we obviously saw Liverpool have fans, West Ham had fans. And it was just – it was such an amazing atmosphere and it was such a big moment for sports in general, I think, that even if, even if you don't love soccer, seeing fans coming back to those games and, and you know, in bigger capacities was a huge moment. And it just could not have come at a worse time. And let's get some props to the Premier League as well and in all 20 clubs, you know, making sure that they're not in a situation where they have to postpone games. And, you know, I think a lot of people would say that it was going to come eventually and it certainly has. But, you know, it's a bad look for the U.K. for that to be sort of the case. But I really think that the U.K., what their rules are for fans coming back is a lot better than what the U.S. is currently going through right now. Um, quite frankly, the U.S., it's, it's crazy that we're watching the, even college basketball, indoor arenas, some of these programs have fans in, which is really mind-boggling, um, I must say. Um, but I, I think the U.K., like, they're doing it in a lot better way than some other countries are right now as to, in regards to bringing fans back. And it's really a shame that uh, the Aston Villa Newcastle Post moment had to happen on the same weekend as fans coming back. Yeah, and on, on that point of, you know, UK versus US, one thing I will say is in the UK, it seems like you know what's happening. There's certain places that are in certain levels of lockdown, I guess they call it, where if you're in this level, you have 2,000 fans. If you're in this level or this level, you have none. And when you go to the stadium, you're six feet apart, you wear masks, you don't sing as much as maybe you would, which I think is probably going to be hard to maintain, especially looking at the games that have already happened. But you look in America and it's, I mean, it's, there's just no consistency. Some places there's no one to be seen at the games. And some places it's like the arena's packed because everyone's moved into the same seats or whatever. And it just, it doesn't seem to make sense in America, but in the UK, it makes sense. They ended up, they had to postpone that game, which would have been an interesting game. Aston Villa has been doing well as well as Newcastle, but we'll move on to the Saturday games. Burnley won, Everton won. What do you guys think of Everton? Because I feel like they're kind of a topic of discussion considering they were top of the world after like five games and here they are. Another a tie against a Burnley team that are towards the bottom of the table. So what are you guys thinking about Everton? I think what I mean, I, I mean I thought Everton obviously at the start of the year, they looked like they looked really they looked really good. I mean they were they looked like one of the best teams in England. But now I don't know whether it's not whether or not the players are losing faith in Ancelotti or maybe his tactics have grown old and, and other teams have sort of figured them out. But something just seems off. Something like they're not – they don't have that cutting edge that they once had. Uh, they struggle on set pieces, um, which they were clinical on uh, at the beginning of the season. And quite honestly, I mean, they, they just look slow. And I, I, I can't really explain – I don't have any statistic to necessarily prove this, but just watching Everton week in and week out – they just 
seem slow and they don't, they seem uninterested. And I don't know what, if that comes down to a coaching thing, a tactic, a tact, like being tactically inept, but they just look like plain old Everton. They don't have that cutting edge that they once had to begin the season. Yeah, it's definitely a alarming state uh, that Everton are, are in right now, having won only one of their last five, that one being against Fulham. Um, so, I mean, and it's a game that you would expect Everton to win anyway. Uh, so, it is very concerning, I, I must say. Um, um, at, at this point in the year, I would think it is very concerning. It really is just is Everton falling right back to typical Everton. It really is. I'm not sure how much else you can explain that, really. That's probably a very good way of putting it. And, I mean, it's – yes, Burnley still only have one win on the season, but I feel like Burnley themselves are maybe getting kind of close to what Burnley used to be, I guess. But they're still pretty far down there. And Everton still, after that hot start, they're still in ninth, still 17 points. And, I mean, what is it? First to tenth is like seven points separating them right now. So it's pretty tight. So they're not anywhere close to – out of any sort of race in that standpoint. But, Nick, we'll move on to you. Manchester City 2, Fulham 0. Another one of those games where they got the job done. Yeah, and and that's exactly that. Um, Not every game has to be uh, your your complete thrashings. Um, And I must say that was so good, Um, not in the Fulham match, but against Burnley to see a 5-0 kind of result pop up. That felt really good to finally see that happen. But, you know, you have at combined with the Fulham match, it just gives you a really good form going into a massive derby match. And that's the kind of form that I would that I love to see. And it's the kind of form this team really needed to take into the Manchester derby. For sure. Another good one. Manchester United themselves we'll talk about a little later on in terms of going into the Manchester derby. But last weekend they did end up beating West Ham 3-1. This was the first game with fans, so that was a big, big change, I guess. I think if, for me, it was something that – I mean, I almost got – I got goosebumps when the Liverpool one happened, but for this one, I got goosebumps too, just when they came out, they clapped for them and stuff like that. United ended up going down 1-0 and then came back 3-1, Pogba scoring, so big for Pogba to get that goal. The last game on Saturday, Chelsea versus Leeds. Chelsea ended up handling them. Christian Pulisic getting a goal, one of the many – U.S. men's national team players that scored over the weekend. West Brom won, Crystal Palace five. That was a crazy game, to be honest. That was – I. It, there was a red card, and then Crystal Palace decided to turn into some crazy prime Barcelona team. Benteke decided to learn how to score goals again. Did you guys see that red card by any chance? Because I'm still questioning. I, I think there's been like four times where that exact play has happened. And, like, it's 50-50 on whether a red card's been given or not. I mean, I think it just, like, it comes out, like, I'm just confused at what the rules are. I mean, exactly. I don't know, like, like you said, like, it's one of those where it, if they can consistently say that that, you know, that's a red card, that's a yellow I mean, I'm not so sure. I That game was, I mean, just talking about the game in general, like, wow. Crystal Palace, literally, I have never seen them perform that well, probably ever. Um they were literally – they the attack was just insane. I mean, it looked like Benteke had this – like the pace of a prime Suarez. He was – it was it was ridiculous. Um, it was a great game for Crystal Palace. Um, but, I mean, it's, it is against a poor West Brom side. But, yeah, I'm not, the VAR red card rules, I, I still 
I'm still pretty baffled, to be honest. I'm curious what Nick has to say. Oh, goodness, VAR. <laughs> I, I, like, I just want to say I backed it, and now I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those uh, love-hate relationships with VAR. I mean, at least, at least in my personal view with Man City it is. Um, but, I mean, you, you mentioned it, Bosky. I mean, this is a Crystal Palace side that demolished West Brom. I mean, I, I mean that's exactly what Crystal Palace is looking for. Uh, and, and could that sort of be the start of a real kickstart uh, in momentum? I mean, it'll be tougher for Crystal Palace on Sunday against Spurs uh, to really carry that forward. Uh, but I will be very intrigued to see if they can do it. Yeah, for sure. We'll move on. I, I, I'll talk about VAR in the, the Liverpool Champions League one because I, I got some stuff to say because it's, it's, it's getting old. But Sheffield United won, Leicester City two, Jamie Vardy uh, – Pure Jamie Vardy decided to score a goal in the 90th minute and then, I mean, absolutely destroy the corner flag. Um, There were jokes about stuff that we probably shouldn't get into, but he destroyed the corner flag, got a yellow card for it, and it was just pure Jamie Vardy. You love to see it. James Madison playing the ball through. And we'll get over to top four Tottenham. Right now sit atop the table. Bosky, I don't know how you – Decided to come up with top four Tottenham. You might have just said top table Tottenham, but Tottenham two, Arsenal nil, getting the bragging rights in North London. Yeah, and it was, and again, it was one of those games where Tottenham, you know, they don't have much possession, they don't have many shots, but when they do, boy, do they look, they they look good. And again, it's 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 again in the attack, it's Kane and Son with two ridiculous finishes. I mean, Son's was world class. I mean, that was one of the best goals. I have seen just from pure skill. I, I could not believe in Kane's finish. I mean, with his weaker foot to put it off the bar and in just, I mean, I don't care if it was from two yards, five yards or 20 yards. The power he generated on that shot was insane. And the angle was, I mean, out of this world. Uh, I, whenever Kane gets the ball in the middle of the park, um, you know, even at a midfield position, Tottenham fans, are excited. And that's something we haven't really seen from Mary Kane. He's not necessarily been the passer that he is now. I mean, he's, I think he's leading the league in assists with 10 already, which is just insane. Um, but another player I want to focus on for Tottenham, who I don't know if he's been getting the love, but I feel like was an amazing signing, was Pierre-Emerick Hoisberg. I, I think that's how you say it. I just uh, want to put it out there. I just want to put it out there. I gave him love at the beginning of the season, and you guys got mad at me for it. And I said it's a no. good signing. It is a proven Premier League player that is also very good in the Premier League as well. So I just want to put it out there. I, I did give him the love of the beginning. No, I'm not, I'm not saying no one's giving him the love. I'm just saying he, I think he deserves – I'm not, I'm not saying you were. Respect. I was just putting it out there that I did give it to him. I did give him the respect. Okay. Well, okay. Let it be known that Ethan gave him uh, credit. But, you know, he a great – really cares. I just wanted to make sure he knew. Yeah, a great signing from Southampton a Bayern Munich Academy player. So, you know, he's definitely going to be a workhorse and he's just been, he has been amazing in the midfield. I mean, he's holding it. He does everything. I mean, the guy is a perfect Jose Mourinho type player. And I think he realizes that and he's using him very, very well. Um, Tottenham is, they're very interesting because while they are obviously sitting atop the table and I have full belief that they're going to finish top four. I don't know if they, if they can sustain being dominated on possession, shots, basically everything, and continue to win. Like, they are very clinical, but I feel like 
it, it just takes a decent performance from an, from another side to possibly beat this team because I'm not I mean they have not faced a lot of adversity as far as playing a team that's really given them that even though they played City and they City obviously did what they did um, City has not been the clinical team that we've seen in the past I'm curious to see when they play Liverpool or a Chelsea or obviously Chelsea they, they coming up weekends ago it's going to be those are going to be a, a real test for Tottenham and I believe that if they can hold their own then they can have a real shot of winning this title that that Tottenham game, Liverpool Tottenham is in a week. So yeah. that's yeah, going to be a banger. That's going to be a banger for sure. Uh, I'll move on talking about Liverpool. Liverpool won 4-0 against Wolves. And at this point, it's just absurd. I, I The fact that Liverpool right now have – I don't think I've ever seen this big of an injury crisis in my life watching soccer or literally any sport where, like, they have a, a, like, solid starting 11 that could probably compete for top four that have all been injured this season. And they just come out and they continue to perform. I, it must be the Klopp way. It must be the culture that's around the team. But you stick in anyone and they're going to perform. I mean, ever since Tiago's come, Georgino Wijnaldum decides to be, like, prime Hullet. I, I don't – apparently he can score bangers now. He decided to uh, play like he does with Netherlands at Liverpool. But, I mean, it's just every game. And, and it wasn't even – it wasn't just a game. Like, they, they did well. It was just like the Leicester game earlier this year. They destroyed them. Like, it wasn't even a contest. And they just absolutely obliterated them. And it's, just, it's unbelievable. They're top of the table in the Premier League. They won their group in Champions League. And they've had this whole injury crisis, and you wouldn't even know. But I, it's just – they continue to amaze me that they just continue to perform. So, I, there's nothing to say there. Uh, we'll move on. Brighton versus Southampton. This was an interesting game, more VAR controversy as well. Uh, Brighton went up 1-0, and then Southampton ended up coming back. James Ward-Prowse, the man himself, his right foot is absolutely magical. And then the actual man himself, Danny Ings, back on the score sheet, back from injury. Absolute godly penalty, to be honest. I mean, it was a penalty, but it was a good penalty. You know, he scored. I'll give him the credit. All right, we'll move on. You guys probably hate me talking about him. But that was a Premier League Premier League recap. It was, a, it was a good weekend. It was fun. Fans came back. I didn't say that about Liverpool, but the You'll Never Walk Alone gave me goosebumps. Uh, the fans were probably the loudest out of anyone. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but the Liverpool fans were probably the loudest out of any of the fans that were there. But fans in general were definitely a big boost, and I think the players enjoyed it as well. So moving on to Champions League. Bosky, we give you Chelsea every week. This week it was – I don't even know if you need to talk about it, but Chelsea won, Krasnodar won when Chelsea didn't play any players. Yeah, and they didn't need to. I mean, they already secured top of the group. Uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a game in which they clearly uh, did not seem interested in, and it showed because they were very – I mean, they were stale. They just kind of got some rotation in. Uh, I was really sad to see Giroud not starting because that would have given this game a lot more, uh, you know, watchability, I guess. Of, uh, it's too valuable. Man. That man you can't start in this game. It's too valuable. That man is a god, and I don't want to I, – I love Giroud. I've always liked him, but especially as he's gotten older and he's become more of a meme, it's just hilarious to see, like, when he succeeds and just – and absolutely just turns up. It's it's the funniest thing ever, and Twitter absolutely goes wild when Giroud I mean, turns Nick, up. Nick can probably attest to this, but whenever I think of Giroud, I can't help but think of his 4 4 tunes character. He, he is a walking meme, and he has fun with it. And I was sad to see him not play, but um, there wasn't many headlines in this one. It was a pretty 
pretty stale game. I did watch it because it was the Champions League, but, you know, no implications for Chelsea. They secured top of the group um, like they deserved, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go move on to another, uh, another game. Uh, well, we'll move on to – see, Alvin's not here. We miss Alvin. Uh, but Red Bull Leipzig 3 – Manchester United too. So this means Manchester United are out of the Champions League. Uh, they make sure that they are truly the Europa League merchants back down to the Europa League. And let's be clear, in my opinion, they should have won this game. But Red Bull Leipzig is a good team. They made it to the semis last year. And they're a very talented team. Of course, they lost Timo Werner. But it doesn't change the fact that they are very good. And they just ended up beating Man U on the day. But Nick, let's go to you first. You've talked about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. There's a Manchester Derby coming up. Is he out before the Manchester Derby, or does he stay in? I mean, just on the fact that they still haven't gotten rid of him now makes me feel like that Ole will probably still be in. And that would be something I would love to see. But I mean, it, it's got to come to the point to where if we don't see a decision by the time this show gets the airways and when we are recording, that, yeah, Ole will probably still be in. And, I mean, I'm sure Alvin cannot be happy whatsoever by that. I mean, if I was in charge, I'd be, I would have I would, I would have had the bus straight for Ole. I would have had a second bus, actually. One for the team, one for Ole. That one's going straight to the airport. Um, social distancing, he has COVID. <laughs> yeah, social distancing, except you're fired. You don't have COVID, <laughs> but you're fired. That's exactly what's going on there. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, it's really just – I don't know. I mean – Oh, it's, it, it's weird that Man United, in, in that situation, did not get rid of Ole. Like, I understand that's a tough group, but you should have gotten out of it. <laughs> I mean... You have to get out of it. It's not that you should yeah. You have to. If you were Manchester United in that group, you have to. If you want to be the Manchester United that they're wanting to be, you have to get out of that group above Leipzig. You just have to. Yeah. It has to be PSG and Man U getting out of that group. Yeah, and the, and the fact that it wasn't is... Uh, you know, quite the shame for Manchester United. And I would fully expect, if Ole's not out by the Manchester Derby, the Manchester Derby could very well be his final examination of whether he stays or not. Which might be even more tough, though, because if you're saying you got to get fired because Man City beat you, which is probably one of the best teams in the Premier League, that's, that's tough. But I think it's a long line of things. I kind of agree with you. Bosky? I mean – I mean, Nick, I mean, I think you guys made great points, but it's also one of those things where, man, you, yes, they have to get out of this group, but when you get nine points through four games and you finish the group with nine points, that's unacceptable. And especially a loss to Istanbul, who looked awful against basically every team. I think another thing to look at is, I mean, Leipzig have, they're, I mean, they're, yes, they're one of the newer teams, obviously, in the Bundesliga as far as, you know, just historically. And, Let's look at the wages that these Manchester United is handing out hundreds of thousands of, of pounds per week to De Gea, Pogba, Martial, Rashford. I mean, all these players. And I, I cannot name a single player in life that probably gets paid over 50000 per week. I mean, it is insane. Awan Basaka, another Manchester United player who gets paid a ridiculous amount. Harry Maguire. Like, the quality of Man United's team should be enough to get them through the Champions League group stage, and it's not. And for that reason, I, I think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be gone. I don't care about what result he gets against Manchester City because it's not like he's looked great there. I mean, they're mid-table in a Premier League 
where they should probably, as far as talent, they should be easily in the top six, arguably top four. So I'm not sure exactly what Manchester United are doing. It's, it's disappointing. And by the way, that 3-2 scoreline was not as cl- – it wasn't a back-and-forth 3-2 game. It was a 3-0 game that became 3-2 in, in garbage time. So, I will put it out there, though. In the Premier League, they're sixth place. They have a game in hand of all of the people above them, and they're only two points off of top four. So if they won their game in hand, they would be in top four. So maybe if you're the owners, you're looking back at that. If they can beat Man City, maybe. I think if, if, they, if they keep him in and he beats Man City, he's probably there for another month. I, I agree. I agree. And but... I, think, I think that's worse. If I was a United fan, I would low-key be thinking I want to lose to City just so you can get Ole out. Like, bring, bring in Pochettino. Bring in literally anyone. Ole was not the right hire when he came in, and I am someone that's going to continue to say this, but he's just not good enough. He's not a top manager. You look around the league. Jose Mourinho is considered a top manager. Jurgen Klopp considered a top manager. I mean, Pep Guardiola for Man City. Those are the teams that are doing well right now. Of course, Frank Lampard is a new manager. Maybe he's good enough. Brendan Rodgers has been someone that's been a strong manager. It's just you got to have a top manager. And there's <laughs> Arsenal are struggling as well with Arteta. So it's, it's interesting. We'll have to wait and see what actually ends up happening there. But we'll move on with more Champions League. I'll go off of mine. Uh, it was similar to the Chelsea game. Liverpool had already won the group. Uh, 1-1. And it wasn't much. They drew. I could care less, to be completely honest with you. My one big question is why the heck did Mohamed Salah play 98 minutes in a game that literally doesn't matter? I don't know. I think Trent did too, but I think he was trying to get back to match fitness, so that kind of makes sense. Henderson came in late. I guess he's just trying to keep the match fit, but there's so many games coming up on the horizon. I think there could have been a lot more rest than there was. Uh, but the main thing, you just, you just can't get away from VAR nowadays. I just, and it's not even that necessarily the calls are wrong, which I think they were in this instance, but it's, they're not always wrong, but it's just, it's all the time. I mean, this game was, every goal was VAR, like basically, except for the beginning goal from Liverpool that was like right at the beginning. The second, the first goal, or the, the tying goal for FC Michelin was a VAR goal that the guy was deemed to be offsides, but they VAR'd it. He wasn't offsides, and they called a soft penalty kick, and then Michelin scored. And then later on, Henderson crosses the ball in. Mane heads it down. Doesn't even – like, I don't even know what they're calling anymore. Like, they have to start – like, I don't know. There's been tons of calls for it, and I literally can't think of a negative. If soccer refs, especially with VAR – now with VAR, it's almost – it should be mandatory that they have to do this. They have to describe what they are calling. Like, they called a handball today when Mane headed it down off of a player and then Minamino scored. I, didn't, I don't even think it could have hit his hand. Like, when I looked at it three times. I was like, when, where, how did this hit Mane's hand? And then Minamino wasn't even close to being offsides, which I think was the original call. So they VAR'd the offsides. The offsides wasn't called. And then they said that it was a handball out of the middle of nowhere just to, like, not have Liverpool win or something. I don't even know. I just – it just – it doesn't make sense anymore. And every single game, every single week, it's just tiring. It's VAR this, VAR that. Every single game Liverpool play, there has to be some sort of VAR call that makes absolutely no sense. And if and even when a VAR call is right and it goes to Liverpool, I hate it at this point. Like, it sucks. Like, you just took it away and you gave Liverpool something. Or you didn't – I mean, of course, most of the time it's not giving Liverpool something. But 
it's just – it seems to be every game. I don't know what you guys think, but as someone who watches Liverpool and likes them and wants them to win, even when it's good for them, I don't like it. And it's, it's just – it's the fact that it's tiring because it just stops the game every single game multiple times. It's not even that it's right or it's wrong. It's just tiring because it happens all the time. Liverpool versus Brighton, it happened. I don't know how the heck you call that a penalty. VAR, once again, is like – when I watch a game – I'm sorry, this is, this, is, this is probably one of my longest rants. But when I watch a game and I end it and I, I'm going home, I'm going on this show, I'm talking to my friends about the game, I want to talk about the game. But too often, every single game that happens, VAR is the main talking point, and that should not be how it is. I agree, and I think I'll just make a quick point. Uh, I think we, it slows the game down, and it just stops it, and that's my biggest issue with it. Like, it's not even the fact the calls are – I'm sure there's ways to justify each and every call, or most, I should say. But it's the fact that it, it's a goal, and you have to stop and wait and wait, or it's an offside call, and you sit and you wait, and you don't know. And it just makes the game slower. It makes it boring. And, and quite honestly, like, it just takes my interest out of it. Like, I don't want to see the players standing around with their hands on their hips, waiting to see if a goal was a goal and seeing a hundred different angles. It, like, it's, it just slows the game down. It makes me uninterested, and it just bores me. And, I mean, that's just my opinion on it. Honestly, I, I, I don't know what they can necessarily do about that because now it's gotten to a point where it's like a point of no return. Like, they can't just go back on everything. Like, if we've gone too far already, but – I mean, I'm curious to see how, how they can possibly try and fix this because there's, this is a clear issue, and it's not even just fans complaining. It's players, it's coaches, it's, it's, it's organizations. It's, it's a lot bigger issue than it is than just the game itself. Yeah, the whole concept of VAR is at a point of no return. The concept is here. It's not going away. It's just now what changes can you possibly make to try to make the whole idea of VAR better. Uh, and I feel like right now, everything that they're trying to do to make it better is not working. Uh, and so you're going to have to have to try to find a way to make VAR sort of seem better. And to me, it, right, what they're doing right now just isn't working. You've got to try something different. The content of VAR, it's here to stay. That's the point of no return. It's what can you do to make VAR look better, seem better. I don't have a ton of ideas, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's just that VAR is here. It's, it's here to stay, really. Uh, and the ideas that they could have to improve it, I couldn't come up with them myself, really. All right. I have, I have two ideas. The first idea is kind of a wild one. But take, take away VAR. Keep it. But do not give the ref any say, which hurts the ref in this decision because they want to give the ref some sort of power. I don't understand that at all. If, if it's a clear and obvious call, the ref should not need to go over to a screen and see if it's a foul or not or if it's an offside. But have, however many people are in the freaking VAR studio, I don't know how many people it is, but get eight people that have played soccer before. That's the key. Get eight people in the VAR room that have played soccer before and understand the rules. Or no, let's say – Let's say seven. We'll get seven people in the VAR room that know soccer, have played it before, and are willing to make a big decision in the game. If something happens, let's say there's a goal and they're deciding if it is offsides or not. There are seven people in the room. Each person clicks offsides or not offsides. Whichever one wins, that's the call. 
I feel like there would be more of those calls that would be right, and it would be faster because right away they'll click the button, and that's the decision. That's my first idea. The second idea, to keep it more in the freaking realm that it is right now, is it's a clear and obvious call. There is in no world should a clear and obvious call ever, ever take five minutes. It, should ne- it shouldn't take more than 10 seconds, let alone five minutes. I am completely fine with every single close offsides call that needs geometry to figure out if you're offsides, just call it whatever was on the field. Whatever you call it on the field, just call it that. And you should, it, should, it shouldn't take more than five seconds. If it's too close to call, leave it as what is on the field instead of geometrically figuring out that his toenail was offsides. I like the whole uh, – it seems like, like the first thing it seems more like a video assistant council, you know, back. Yeah. Imagine all the marketing companies you can get for sponsorships. Look at that idea for marketing. Look at that. You make more money off of it, probably. <laughs> and oh, you can make better calls. <laughs> I guarantee you it makes better calls than the ref coming up. That's the, the big problem right now is they're not willing to take power away from the referee. The referee should be on the field calling the game, and VAR should have – I personally think VAR should have more power than the referee. They have a, they have a replay system that goes slow-mo – goes every five seconds, you can see from six different angles, they're going to make a better call. They should. It hasn't happened so far because the ref goes over to the screen and has to decide something. Do not make the ref spend a freaking minute running from half field to the screen to make a decision about a millimeter offsides call. It's just, it's borderline stupid. Like, it's just, it's stupid. I don't even know what else to say. Like, I hate it. it, it that, the problem that makes it so frustrating is it could be so helpful for the game. It could take away a lot of close calls that wouldn't happen. But they like you want to get away the calls where guys are miles off sides and you don't call it. You don't want to get get away with the calls where guys aren't. But like I just, it's so infuriating. I can't even. It's just so infuriating. Like, how does someone like how do they decide that this is what they should do? It just doesn't make sense. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's becoming, I think what that's becoming a top, like, even if it's a game where it's a five goal thriller, like, you know, seven goal thriller and VAR is the talking point. That's when it should probably become a problem. Like even I remember, and granted, this obviously was a big issue, but I remember like the first huge, like, obviously was, I'm sorry to bring it up, Nick. It was Tottenham Man City in the Champions League. And that was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Like, it was literally the first 20 minutes. There was, like, five goals, Sun score. I mean, it was insane. And the, the talking point of that game was, was VAR. And, and while that art is very arguable because it was a huge call at the end of the game to take away a goal from Sterling, like, I just – like, that was – I mean, that was the best game I've seen in years. And to this day, VAR is still the first thing that gets talked about for anything and I feel like that kind of is an issue right yeah I don't know I mean it's just it's just my opinion on that but it's not an issue like if it's a click quick very quick it should not be more than it shouldn't be more than I would say I'll give you 30 seconds and even that's stretching it it should be you look at it you look at it maybe two or three times if it's an obvious mistake you change it that's what they said at the beginning it's a clear and obvious error and they have not followed through on that at all but in sake of time, we should probably move on. Premier League preview, Leeds United versus West Ham on Friday, Wolves versus Aston Villa on Saturday, Newcastle versus West Brom, 
the big one, Manchester United versus Manchester City, the Manchester Derby. Nick, don't have Alvin today. You're going to have to carry the load. What are you thinking? I mean, this is – I mean, you've got to be nervous for the Manchester Derby every year because – these derbies can really go any way you want, no matter what your situation is. When it comes down to derby day, you have to bring it. Um, otherwise, we're going to see what happened in the last two. And that, quite frankly, is Man United wins. Uh, and so I mean, it, it really doesn't matter how good you've been on what kind of form you've been. Because um, in the Premier League, United's on really good form winning their last four. Uh, and, and obviously, United City have picked it up quite a bit over the last two match weeks in the Prem. So this is going to be like every Derby game. This is going to be a really good contest. Uh, I don't think anyone can really argue that. Uh, it's just, can City have just enough on the night to be able to carry themselves to a win? Because let's be real, Man United no matter what kind of heartbreak they're still experiencing from the Leipzig match, they will still come out 110% prepared for City. I mean, I mean, if that's not the case for United, what is the club thinking, first off, to not be 100% prepared for, for your arch rival in, in, in Man City? You could, also, you could all argue Liverpool, but the Manchester Derby has really taken a lot of precedence over the last few years as City has rapidly climbed up the league. Yeah, you have to take that seriously. Even what you've even with what you've seen with United not even qualifying for the Champions League knockouts. I mean, it's a match that everyone is gonna have to be nervous for because I feel like that's that you have to be really. Uh, anytime you have your arch rivalry, it can go either way. So it just makes me really nervous that maybe United pulls him out of the, that rabbit once again, pull that rabbit out of the hat once again. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I mean. I think you sometimes maybe don't give City the benefit of the doubt. City are a darn good football team. And I feel like you sometimes don't, don't give them the benefit. But I do hear you. I do think it's possible United somehow pull the rabbit out of the bag. But we'll have to wait. You know, who, I mean. Uh, you never know. It's, it's a game of soccer. Anything can happen. But we'll move on. Another big game on Saturday, Everton versus Chelsea. That should be a really interesting one. Sunday has five games. Southampton versus Sheffield United, and then Bosky, Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. I mean, coming off the 5-1 victory last week, you got to be kind of scared, don't you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I wouldn't necessarily say scared, but I would definitely be wary. I mean, this Crystal Palace team has been, while they've been really inconsistent this year, um, you, never, you never know what you're going to get. You, might, you may get a Crystal Palace that just gets blown out of the water like we've seen a few times this season, or you may get the Crystal Palace that just – Annihilated West Brom. Probably, I mean, I mean that was a, that was one of the most impressive performances of the year by any team in the in the, in the Premier League. But for Tottenham, you just gotta you gotta sort of keep what you have going for. Just continue to ride that wave, and because I mean, if momentum is a thing, if you are one of those believers in momentum, Tottenham surely has that. They've won four of their last five, I believe. Um, they've looked very very strong, um, even with their lack of possession and shots, like uh, I was talking about earlier. And Tottenham, this is a game Tottenham should win. They're the more talented team. Um, they have, obviously, I believe they have the better strike force. They have a better uh, midfield. But this is a game that will be decided um, by the back line. Will Tottenham's back line hold up against a Crystal Palace team 
that attacks very well and is very quick going forward. Um, who knows? We'll see about that. But I believe Tottenham will, will come out on top in this game and continue um, to be top of the table going into next week. All right. And moving on, Fulham versus Liverpool. Um, given how Liverpool have been playing and some injured players are back, I would expect Liverpool to be fine in this game. Fulham have played a lot better recently, but I think Liverpool would just be too much to really ask for Fulham to compete with them. But we'll have to wait and see for that one. Leicester City versus Brighton. Arsenal versus Burnley. Both of those are happening at the same time, which is kind of interesting given they've tried to make every single game different times in a COVID time. Not exactly sure why that's happening and why there's five games on Sunday, but hey. I mean, I think it was because they realized no one wanted to watch Arsenal, so they just kind of like (laughs) – I mean, look, goals get viewers, and Arsenal certainly isn't doing that. So um, I I believe that this Arsenal-Burnley game – I mean, I, I believe the Arsenal Burnley game will not split split time with viewers. Um, I mean, my God, we could do an entire show on Arsenal's ineptitude this season. Uh, I'm not going to get into it, but I, I'm not. I mean, who? Who? Uh, honestly, like Arsenal. This is the, Arsenal. It might be the most irrelevant. I mean, they are so irrelevant. They are so poor. Um, Dang. <laughs> are you? Have you seen them? Have you watched this team? Irrelevant, though. I mean, they're still in 14. Wow. <laughs> no, they're – okay, their relevancy is being terrible. I, I, I Come would, on, they're pretty good in the Europa League. Look, all <laughs> – like, look, bad publicity or all publicity is good publicity. Is, I don't believe that's true, and especially in this case. Like, I mean, you sign Aubameyang for a ridiculous amount of money and he's scored less goals than Kurt Zuma. I feel like that's an issue. Um, hey, a lot of people have scored less goals than Kurt Zuma. I'm so is Martial. Martial and Aubameyang combined for less goals, I believe, than Kurt Zuma. Well, you can probably add Firmino in there too. Yeah, I think Firmino is probably in there as well. It's, I don't know. Maybe Kurt Zuma is just the next Timo Werner, or, or I guess they can. <laughs> it can be like, hey, I'm picturing Chelsea strike force. Like, remember when it was uh, Luka Jovic and Sebastian Haller? I'm picturing Kurt Zuma and Timo Werner. Up, up <laughs> Timo Werner is going to need out a score recently. But hey, talking about Arsenal, we'll move on to the bench of the week. My, I have two bench of the weeks. It's two quick little memes. Uh, the first one I saw, I sent this to my Arsenal friend. It said, so uh, I think this was, this was a week ago maybe. Not this last weekend, but the weekend before. Since we didn't do a show on it, I decided to bring one from there. David Luiz had a, 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 what was it, a patch on his head. He did a little like wraparound thing because his head was bleeding. And he had, there was blood coming out of the patch so you could like see it. And someone tweeted out a picture of him and Arsenal's away kit. And said, someone said David Luiz is wearing Arsenal's away kit on his head. Because it, it looked exactly the same. But that was the first one. That's pretty good. <laughs> and my second one was Manchester United. So, I mean, first off, they're kind of a meme in and of itself, <laughs> um, given that they're in the Europa League now. But uh, my friend sent me this. It was that same Arsenal friend, actually. We sent each other, like, memes. But it was, uh, it was Man United every game. And this, of course, was after the Leipzig game that they lost. But it worked, and it didn't actually end up working out. But basically, the game last weekend, they came back from 1-0 down in the second half and won 3-1. So it was basically, it was like that thing where, like, when you're losing in 2K and you sit up in your chair. So it was like Man United in the first half, there was some dude just slouching. And in the second half, he was, like, sat up, like, trying, trying extra hard. So I thought those two 
were pretty funny memes, but I'm not really the, the social media guru because we all know that's Nick Hodell. Twitter banter of the week, hit us up. Yes, uh, get all sun sport, you know, trying to get themselves a nice little money-grabbing headline from the Man United Leipzig games saying, City reject Angelino scores as Man United crash out of Champions League. And, of course, Angelino, he had to very calmly snap back at him and say, what reject, mate? I decided to go have some respect with the headline. Of course, <laughs> that's just another example of Sunsport being absolutely body where they deserve to be, fellas. Sun sport should just quit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very poor from them. Even from by even by their own standards, to be honest. Or they could hire some Cronkite grads and maybe get the reputation back up. I wouldn't work for them, but <laughs> smart man. Nick, Nick, that's like that's like being a good journalist and working for BuzzFeed or something like that. Like that's <laughs> long term project. <laughs> All right, Bosky. For mine, uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw this in the – or I, I mean, I didn't watch the game, but I saw highlights of it. Uh, from Stuttgart versus Werder Bremen, um, there was a back pass that made it – found its way to, the, to a Stuttgart striker, Silas Wamangatuka, I believe is how you pronounce his name, who I don't know if you guys saw this, but he quite literally walked the ball into the net. Um, when I, I, I saw the highlight and I assumed that maybe there was some sort of foul because he – it was the most disrespectful. Oh, is that the one where he just stood there? Yes. And, like, kicked he it in? On the goal line oh, with his hands on his hips, had the ball. I was, I was fully expecting – when I saw that, I was fully expecting him to do that thing where you get on your knees and head it in. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was the closest you can get to doing that as far as getting disrespect. But, honestly, that wasn't the banter part. He scored the goal as the keeper ran at him. And then got a yellow card. And you got a yellow card for it? Got a yellow card for walking the ball into the net. I mean, it was showboating. You can give a yellow card for showboating. But he didn't, like, dance. He didn't do it. He just walked the ball in. Like, it was. It was, it was very, very boasty like. I mean, he sat there, looked at the goalie, and then kicked it in. Okay. Waited for the goalie to be, like, two feet from him. As soon, I know, as, but I mean, basically, like, as soon as the goalie breached social distancing, he decided to kick the ball in the net. Very true, but I, the play itself was hilarious. I thought him getting a yellow card for it was very funny and completely worth it. But, you know, the level of disrespect on in the game today is not what it once used to be. So, personally, I love it when teams do just dumb things like that. And if you haven't seen the – if you haven't not seen the, the goal or the clip, I highly recommend watching it because it was very entertaining. And just to see the other team just get royally pissed off was, was pretty awesome. All right, so that was our banter of the week. We have about six and a half minutes left, so let's get to the predictions real fast. Last time we did it, we did not do well. I had a three out of ten. Bosky and Nick also had a three out of ten. Alvin had a four out of ten. We regret to tell you that Alvin will not be doing predictions anymore. He'll end on 27 points. So maybe Bosky won't be dead last. Oh, wait. He still is dead last. That doesn't change anything. Okay. Well, maybe he'll wait, be able wait, to do it. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Okay. You make it seem like Alvin hasn't done it for three weeks, and I'm still at 26. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm just putting we've it out done there. You're still last. You're still last. I'm just putting it out there. But that's maybe fair, he'll be fair. able to uh, turn it around come this week. But first game of the match week, Legion United versus West Ham. You know what, Michael? How about you go first? 
Um, I'm gonna be, I, I'm gonna be honest. I think this one will be a draw. I think both the both the teams are pretty similarly matched as far as talent, and I cannot find a reason to separate them by any sort of metric. So I believe it'll be a draw. Nick. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty fair um, estimation. I'm gonna go with that as well. Actually, um, I mean. You could say that West Ham is in a little bit better form, but I don't think that's going to matter too much, to be quite honest. I think these two are just going to have a nice little friendly draw. All right, I'm going to go against the grain. I think they, at some point it's got to work out for them, so I'm going to go Leeds. Uh, Wolves versus Aston Villa. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go Wolves. I just I know this is really ballsy because they don't have uh, what's this? They don't have Raul Jimenez, but I'm going to go Wolves. Uh, I'm going to have to go against you. I think Aston Villa is going to win. I think uh, losing Raul Jimenez could be the difference in that. I mean, he certainly was their best. All of them. Hey, you cut out. Um, I believe. You cut out. You cut out after uh, Raul, talking about Raul Jimenez. Also, we have like five minutes. So, like, let's try to make it as fast as possible. Okay, yeah, no, I was, I was basically – Like, not as – because we already did the preview, so we kind of already talked about it. But, like, let's try to make it a little faster. I don't know. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. you got it. I believe Raul Jimenez will be the difference in this game, uh, with him not being that that is, because he is clearly their best attacking player, and it's the focal point on almost all of their goals, it seems. Uh, I believe – I'll take Austin Villa on this one. I'm going to go with a draw here, guys. Yes, all three. Woo! Okay, uh, Newcastle versus West Brom. I am going to go Newcastle. Newcastle as well, and it's more of because of West Brom's ineptitude. Yeah, I'm going with Newcastle as well. I just I have that gut feeling that oh boy. West Brom's going to do something, but I'm going to go against the grain probably. I'm going Man U. This one's so tough for me because I want – well, I want to – well, I think City should win this game. I believe that Man United, the one thing they love more than winning is chaos. And having Ole at the wheel is the most chaotic – will be the most chaotic thing you could possibly imagine for. I'm going to have to go Man U as well. <laughs> I'm going to stick with City, but I could very well see this game going in the other direction. All right. And the next game, Everton versus Chelsea – I'm going to go Chelsea. Hottest team in the Prem, to be honest with you. I'm going Chelsea as well. Chelsea. All right, moving on. We got Southampton versus Sheffield United. I am going Southampton. Danny Ings is back. Yeah, South, Southampton as well. Um, I believe, I mean, Sheffield's have been pretty pretty poor this year, and Southampton look to be having been the best form in their Premier League lives probably since Matt Letizia, so I'll take Southampton. Yeah, I yeah, I gotta go Southampton here. All right, Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. As much as I want to go Crystal Palace, I'm gonna go Tottenham. Yeah, I'm not picking against my boys uh, from North London, the real North London Kings. I'm going Tottenham. Yeah, we'll, we'll know what kind of Crystal Palace we get in the first like 20 to 30 minutes or so. But I'm gonna take Tottenham here. I'm going to go against what I said. I'm going to make it a draw rather than saying Tottenham. I'm going to go for a draw. I just I want to be different, and I felt that game. I had a gut feeling, so I'm going draw. Next game, I'm going Liverpool. Liverpool versus Fulham. Yeah, I cannot pick against Liverpool. They're, they're quite honestly too well coached and tactically too sound. Absolutely. you got to go Liverpool here. All right, Leicester City versus Brighton. I really, really, really like Brighton, but I'm going Leicester City for this game. 
I wanted to pick a draw, but I, I mean, Leicester's been in pretty solid form, and with Madison coming back to form, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Leicester City. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with Leicester here. All right, and the last one, Arsenal versus Burnley. I mean, this one, I mean, this one could go either way. I mean, this one really could be anything. And considering both teams don't know how to score goals and have struggled, I'm gonna go a draw. I was gonna take a draw as well, but. I want to be a little different. I'm taking Arsenal. I, I, I don't want to, but I... Trying oh. to jump up the leaderboards. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am also torn on this one. The only thing I do know is that I don't think Burnley's going to win this game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get the edge to Arsenal here, quite frankly. Wow. Okay. You know how badly I want to say Burnley just because you said you don't think Burnley are going to win? <laughs> I, I want to go draw, but I can't. Why can't you go draw? Because I did it. But, well, I have to. I have to be a little. I have to go be different for you, Ethan. I'm sorry. <laughs> what if I went Burnley though? Would you go draw? <sighs> I don't know. Let's just. I'm just. Let's just stick with it. Let's just stick with it. All right, all right. We'll stick with it. Uh, anything else you guys got to say? We got about a minute left. Um, I I'm. Hopefully there's some goals in the Arsenal game because that would just that would hey that would defeat all of our predictions. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate a zero zero draw, but you know a zero zero draw is the most likely. Let's be honest, a one zero Burnley win is all. Everything that has a one or a zero is most likely probably going to. We had a lot of very similar picks. Not even gonna lie, this is probably the most similar we've had. I would agree with that for sure. Probably because I didn't go against anything, but except for the Tottenham game, I guess. But. That's it for us on this edition of Banter Clock. We had a lot of fun talking soccer once again with the boys. Premier League is back. Fans are back, which definitely changes things. I don't think they'll be back for that Manchester Derby, but they're back in general. So that's all for us. And as always, come for the banter and stay for the knowledge.